Okay, here we go with Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Morning, Sonny. Okay, we spent the first hour of the show today talking about this absolutely tragic death of this young police officer, Shaylin Yang, stabbed to death yesterday at that park in Burnaby, just three years on the job as a Mountie, helping the most vulnerable members of society. And she lays down her life yesterday in the in the line of uh, line of duty keith your thoughts on that i i spoke to liberal leader kevin falcon about it this morning and he said this should be another sign that the province should reopen like large mental health facilities like riverview your thoughts well i think the momentum is building behind that view uh, i heard cash heat on with you the former solicitor general earlier today uh, making the same call brad west the mayor of Coquitlam, who's more aligned with the NDP, has also mentioned uh, the need for that, uh, uh, a new modern facility. I mean, the fact that people are, I'm not sure, we don't have all the details associated with this particular incident, but yeah. we do have people um, carrying machetes on the street who have mental health issues, uh, and we've seen a number of violent incidents. So I think it's inevitable that we are going to see a building momentum to reestablish some sort of modern facility to house people with serious mental health issues who, who can com- <clears throat> become violent uh, without without warning, without notice. And where is it's inevitable that we're we're going that route? Where does David Eby stand on that? Has Not he? Sure. Said, I mean, yeah, he, you know, is he it, he has he has talked about the need to possibly uh, compel people to get treatment. He has. Uh, so I would think you could draw a line between that and reestablishing a Riverview-like facility. Uh, and that surely is going to come up now that he is going to be the premier of B.C., um, now that Anjali Apadurai has been disqualified. I assume Mr. Eby will be sworn in as premier in the second week of February, or second week of November, excuse me. Uh, and that's going to be a hot-button issue for him to, to tackle. And uh, You've got Kevin Falcon, the opposition leader, now p- pushing that issue. Uh, yeah. You've got other mayors, I think, are going to be pushing that issue. The days of just this, and this was not a homeless encampment in terms of this incident. This was a single lone camper. But we have seen homeless camps where people have been killed within the camp. There's been discovery of guns and weapons in these. These are dangerous situations. And I just think it's inevitable that we're headed towards reestablishing modern facilities to house people rather than just sleeping on the street with, armed with guns and machetes. Yeah, and I know there will be a full investigation and a review of, of what happened here, and including whether this police, why this police officer was dispatched alone to this call. Now, she was, she was with a, a local bylaw municipal officer. bylaw enforcement officer, but would appear to have been dispatched without another, without a partner, like without another police officer, which is not unusual for the RCMP. By the way, they they will often work in sing, single single teams. Yeah, no, it's <clears throat> not unusual. But this highlights the danger that can occur uh, in these unpredictable situations, and it's uh, yeah. it, we're seeing this play out on the night on our news on a nightly basis, where you've got these incidents of violence of people, which often involve mental health issues. Yeah, and then you twin it to the fact that people keep, you know, the liberals call it catch and release, which is a nice, cute, you know, John Horgan says that's a bumper sticker and a slogan. It is, but it still is a nice, catchy thing for the liberals to the opposition to push. But there are numerous examples of people having hundreds of interactions with police because of 
criminal incidents and violent incidents, and then not being housed in any facility, in any correctional facility, just being released back on the street to reoffend. And that this is becoming a really serious issue. And I think the NDP government is feeling significant heat on this, which was, was unexpected at the last election. And people were fo- are focusing on other issues back then. But right now, street crime is of paramount yeah. um, importance to people, particularly in urban centers. Okay, speaking of the NDP government and heir apparent David Eby here, poised to become the next premier of the province, especially now that it, it appears quite plain that the NDP will disqualify his opponent, Anjalia Potterai, from running against him, something that you predicted weeks ago was likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Let me play a clip here. for. By the way, she was booked on the show today, uh, 11.30, we were going to have her on, and I've just heard from her uh, assistant that she's uh, not coming on now and that she's planning to have a news conference instead at 11.30 this morning. So this is all developing as we speak. But let's have a listen to what she had to say to these accusations uh, contained in this report from the NDP that she had broken sign- membership sign-up rules and campaigning rules. And here's what she had to say. I'll get your thoughts. I support a respectful approaching of folks who are holding dual memberships and asking them to choose. But beyond that, I don't support the assumption of fraud. We brought in thousands of new memberships to the party. Okay, she told me earlier that, you know, what's wrong with her signing up all these new people? This should be a good thing for the NDP. Why is she being disqualified? Well, the chief uh, electoral officer, Elizabeth Collins, concluded that this was a not-so-subtle takeover attempt by the Dogwood organization. She basically doesn't put so much blame on uh, Angeline as it does on Dogwood for sort of a naked power grab of of getting their members, who are members of of other parties, to join the NDP with the express purpose of taking over the party. And it all turns on this August 6th Zoom call. That was attended by Ms. Apadurai and Apadurai and members of the Dogwood organization, where they just basically lay out their strategy to take over the NDP. So if you're the NDP, if you're a political party and you just get evidence that something like this is happening, you're obviously going to, uh, I think, come back to the conclusion Elizabeth Call did here, that this is not going to be uh, allowed. And political parties are, talk- are private entities. They're not publicly traded companies. They can set their own rules. And uh, they've decided to set the rules here that uh, she's in violation of them, at least the spirit of them, if not some Election Act violations. I mean, Dogwood is not out of the woods on this. Elections, elections, some of this has been referred to Elections BC for further investigation, and we'll see where that goes. But at the end so, of the day, political parties can you know, decide their own rules. We saw the Conservatives dump Patrick Brown, the Liberals dumped Aaron Gunn, and now yeah. the NDP is going to dump Angeline Apadurai. Okay, so when you read the report that's been widely leaked here from the NDP disqualifying her campaign, are, are, do you, does it read to you like a, a, a legitimate uh, condemnation, like they, they definitely broke the rules? Is that, does that seem clear to you? It seems clear to me. This August 6th Zoom call and given yeah. the, the, the social media postings from some of the Dogwood officials does lead considerable credence to the to the view that this was a, a naked power grab by someone by a group that did not have the NDP 
interest at heart. It was external interest to be appeased here. And so, but again, the political parties can do what they want on this type of thing. And there's going to be some yeah. blowback on this, no question. <laughs> NDP is going to be yeah. accused of being, take the word democratic out of your name, that sort of thing. But uh, I think the alternative, when she's bragging that she signed up 14,000 people at yeah. a time when the membership was only 11,000, uh, the caucus uh, determines who the premier is. And there was no way, even if she was to stand for candidacy here, there's no way she would ever become premier because the caucus does not support her. In fact, the caucus, I can tell you from, uh, well, well more than two dozen interviews I've done with caucus members, not only don't support her, but openly resent her and say she advocates positions that they never ran on in the election. They got a mandate in 2020 that has nothing to do with her platform. Uh, which was yeah. anything from free transit to a complete ban on logging at Volgrove to shutting down all the fossil fuel industries in a very quick fashion. So, no, uh, the, the lieutenant governor only talks to the first minister, and the first minister is John Horgan and takes his advice, and his advice is not going to be to give Angeline okay. Apadurai the premier's office. Okay, real quickly on the latest apology from Danielle Smith, the premier of Alberta, she has apologized now for comments that she made earlier this year about the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, in, in which she said that she believes that Ukraine should be a, neut- a neutral country. This is what got her into, into trouble. Here, here is what she said that got her into a jam, and now she's apologizing for this. Here's Daniel Smith a few months ago. Have a listen. It would be absurd for Canada to have nuclear weapons and be allied with Russia and not think that that was going to upset America. So why would we be surprised if Russia is upset because Ukraine has nuclear weapons and has lied with the United States? I think the only answer for Ukraine is neutrality. Okay, so she's now walked that back, apologized. Your thoughts? It's a train wreck. She's a complete train wreck. Uh, there's a poll out today. It's in the Global Mail. I think the NDP is ahead 53-38. I mean, for the NDP to be hitting over 50% in Alberta, of all places, shows you how much trouble Danielle Smith is in. Um, so, yeah, the, if you're the Conservatives, you've got to be really worried about where you're headed under her leadership because, I, like I say, it's a, it's a train wreck in motion. Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Justin in Kelowna. Hi, Justin, go ahead. Good morning. Um, I think that we should open up places like Riverview. I worked uh, seven and a half years at the Gospel Mission here in Kelowna, and I can tell you that many of those people thrive on those institutions. In fact, one of the girls that I worked with, she uh, stabbed a bus driver up here with a needle just so she could go back to prison. Well, thank you, thank you, yeah. Justin, for the call. Keith, your thoughts? Well, like, again, this, this debate is just starting, and I'm not sure it's going to turn into much of a debate. I think you're going to see uh, Falcon was the first one to really push, reopen the idea of reestablishing a mental health facility with uh, forced confinement. Evie has talked about that. So I think when you've got the two leaders of the, t- the two main parties all seemingly aligned on the same theme, I think it's inevitable that that's where we're headed. James in White Rock. Hi, James. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Keith, I'm just curious. Do you know if the training with the RCMP has changed over the last few years? Because it's tragic that, that this young woman was killed, but I, I, I question why it is they would put someone of such small stature 
into what they would possibly consider to be a volatile situation, even with another constable there. And I'm just wondering whether or not their, their regulations have got to change when it comes to, to homeless people to make the assumption that it is a dangerous situation and be prepared for it. I'm not sure if training has changed, but this is obviously going to be the subject of the investigation uh, where they're going to go yeah. over exactly what the circumstances were to have her there by herself. I can tell you personal experience with a homeless camp here at the courthouse a few years ago. Uh, that was a dangerous place. I mean, I wouldn't certainly didn't want to go in there with uh, and start interviewing people. And we've had instances in Vancouver where we, we don't want to put our reporters and camera crews in, in jeopardy. But there is a, a sense of menace and threat when you visit some of these places. Now, this, in this situation, it wasn't a camp. It was one person. Right. So perhaps that was the difference. This wasn't a, a big community. This was just one person camping in a field. Right. And we just heard from a neighbor in the CKNW newscast that people who had seen uh, this fellow who was apparently living in this tent, that they did not feel that he seemed to be a danger. Now, we don't know all the questions. We don't have all the answers here. There's an investigation going on. But it may turn out to be a case where this police officer was dispatched here and there was not uh, there was not any fear of danger. So that could be yep. the situation. But questions are being asked, like, why was she alone? Why was she not with yep. another police officer, a partner? What kind of body armor or anything was she wearing? Yeah, no, and all that's going to be the subject of the investigation. There's yeah. going to be a lot of questions asked here, and hopefully we get a lot of answers. Yeah, Michelle in Vancouver. Hi, Michelle, go ahead. Yeah, hi. It really seems like a bit of a gift uh, to the Liberals and the Green Party to have the uh, the dysfunction happening currently with the NDP leadership race. Um, and I think that um, the NDP needs to kind of right the ship after this, otherwise the Liberals will win the, win the next election. This is something... Um, even though there's some serious allegations about signing up members, uh, uh, it you know it still is damage control, serious one that needs to happen now. Yep, no, there's no question. The NDP is going to face a lot of criticism over this. I mean, they're they're the authors of their own misfortune. They let the membership uh, sag to a takeover scenario possibility being created. Just 11,000 people. I mean, a senior Liberal strategist phoned me right after Horgan. Or after the 11,000 uh, figure membership uh, was released, which was shortly after Horgan announced he wasn't, he was going to be stepping down, and then pointed out to me, this is a takeover scenario. They're vulnerable to a takeover, and particularly from the environmental protest movement, and you know, the and it was flagged at the beginning. And so the NDP to allow this this sustained membership drive for well more than a month. Uh, allowed a group like uh, an organized group like Dogwood to step in and indeed activate their database and their membership and literally sign up thousands of people and with people who did not necessarily have the NDP's interest at heart. So the NDP well, is not a lot of sympathy for them right now. Well, doesn't David Eby have something to answer for here? Oh, yeah. he's, he, he's basically been sleepwalking yeah. through his campaign. Where was his membership sign-ups? You know, yeah. you, you got Angeline is... She was quoted last week as saying she signed up 14,000 people. I haven't heard anybody from the EV camp counter that with their, with their sign-up. But I go back. I've been critical of the one-member, one-vote system for some time. There was abuses in the, in the, uh, the leadership race that elected Christy Clark where a cat was signed up. As a leader, as a member, a dead person was signed up as a member. Uh, there were abuses when Adrian Dix ran for the for the leadership. Uh, okay, I would go back to delegate conventions. I think that's the way to go. 